Hey, we're moving into the home stretch now. <laughs> if there is such a thing. I don't think so. Maybe there's no home stretch. Um, I would be careful at this point. It's very, it's only natural that your mind may start uh, getting ahead of itself. It's as if the retreat is over and you're planning your flight home or your drive, drive home or what you're going to do tonight, etc. And there's still quite a bit left. There's a certain nectar that's possible because we've worked hard. And uh, perhaps you're feeling a little bit more relaxed now or more at home with this uh, rhythm which may have been foreign to you, just beginning to settle in. You want to stay longer. Yeah. Okay, anything? Um, yeah. Encourages you to stay with. Oh yes, right. That's good. That's it, in fact. If I hear you correctly. Well, I think you do, and I'm not sure that I meant what I said. No. Um, <laughs> I could see the getting caught miles down the road. Mm-hmm. So my question is about either how to stay attentive to the getting caught, or Okay, it's hard for me to, without it being more concrete, but it's you're with your breath. Now, that's what you mean by getting caught. States, yeah. Okay, now, now I think I am. Yeah. Uh, I left the breath completely. What seemed to be hours, and obviously it wasn't. But it may have been. Yes. It may have been years. Yeah. As, what can we do? If you're asleep for years, you are. I can't, you know, we, maybe we can implant a, you know, electrodes or an alarm clock or something, but uh, all that we can do is as soon as you notice that you're caught, as soon as you notice you're asleep, you wake up. So from that point of view, we're endlessly beginning over and over, no matter how long you're doing this practice. You'll be doing it a thousand years. If you fall asleep, wake up. We start again and again. It gets smoother and the gaps become uh, fewer and the continuity develops. But I don't know if there's any human being who, who uh, doesn't fall asleep from time to time on themselves. Maybe the Buddha didn't. I don't know. He's not around to tell us. Krishnamurti says he does. Others that I've talked to do. They correct very quickly. So you notice that and you're back to the breath or you could stay with the thoughts. In other words, if, the sto- if that melodrama that you described is raging and very strong, if you want to tune into it like a soap opera, you know, just that channel and listen to it. If you're able to listen to it, it's very, then you're not caught. Then it's, we're me- then it's meditation again. It's very different to listen to, let's say, daydreams. To really just listen to them or to be daydreaming. They're, they're very different. Unfortunately, what happens is that if you really listen to the daydream, it's so insubstantial. It's just fluff. That by and large, it usually just falls away. When you're caught, you invest it with such reality that it's as if that's what your life is. And that's an important thing to learn. To see that a lot of the things that tyrannize us aren't in a certain sense, are not really real. Or they don't have the reality that we think they do. They have some level of reality. It's like um, a dream. 
when you're in the dream, or let's make it more dramatic, a nightmare, uh, it can be very condescending for a person to say, well, that was merely a nightmare. While it was happening, the heart is pounding, sweat is breaking out, terrified, you do anything. You know, it's, it's very convincing. Okay, and at a certain point you wake up and then maybe you have a good laugh and then you're condescending about yourself. You look back and say, ho, 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 that was just a, a mere dream. Because you're now in a clearer state. You're not identified with all that dream world, dream tigers that are going to eat you and so forth. That's somewhat like that. Whereas if we're not alert, the mind produces things, we get identified with it, and then that's the world that we're living in. And it might as well be real because we've invested it. It's so convincing. And more and more, those things will be caught. We'll see them. Sort of something, you start to get a feeling for it. And you see it for what it is. Um, Is Rick here? Different one. Okay. Uh, It's something like this. Uh, He was a postman and he got bitten by a dog while on his route. That really happened. You know, bite, bite, ow. Painful. But then in one sitting, this happened last year or so, it was sweat pouring down his brow. You could see it was just incredible what he was going through. And then after the sitting, we talked about it. It was the same thing, but he was talking about it as if he was, had just gotten bitten by a dog while delivering the mail. His mind bit him. There was no dog there. You know, it's really important to see that. There's no dog. He bit himself. <laughs> you know, and it's just, there's no blood, there's no postal, postal uniform, there's no mail. <laughs> yeah. In, the, in other words, if you were in the daydream and then you, you caught yourself in it and went back to the breath, No, you have a you have a choice. If you want, you can. Uh, if the daydream is pretty powerful, you know, convincing, it's been going on. You can listen to it. Okay. I understand. Then what I would do is go to the breath. By the way, in other words, it's a practical thing. The time will come where you'll be more able to be with whatever is there. But right now, if there's any hesitation, or we're developing confidence, we're developing stability, and as that grows. And that's the reason we did the third phase, is to give everyone a taste of the possibility of just simple attention without any techniques, really. But, in other words, I wanted everyone to get a taste of that, to know what this develops into. But realistically, probably, I mean, I have to talk to each one individually, and it varies from sitting to sitting, probably it's best to not do too much of that yet, but to develop uh, using uh, the breath and gradually grow into that where you don't need any support at all, where you just sit and whatever turns up. Uh, so you don't, w- the breath is not special at a certain point. You can get as concentrated on anything as much as the breath. Just whatever is happening is your life. That's what's happening. And you're with it. It takes doing. It takes practice. So I just wanted people to have a taste of it. Now, you might say, well, but I I really feel I'm able to do that, free attention. Fine, we probably should talk. This is Rick, by the way. (laughs) I use your, your, uh, you know, post office story. I've been milking that one lately. (laughs) Uh, So people have a sense that this evolves into a uh, real no-doing at all, because... Having the breath is, we've already chosen something. You know, there's will involved. You have to remember to come back to the breath. And now, in, this, in the last phase, it's as if you're unlearning everything. It's just, just total openness. And everyone will grow in that at their own pace. Uh, but it's, but in, in the meantime, the breath is a wonderful way to train, to develop yourself. And to take forays into whatever's happening at your own, to the degree to which you can do it without getting lost. Yeah. I find one of the, um, well, I have a problem sort of noting without judgment. When you say noting, do you mean making a mental note? Yeah, well, uh, what I've been kind of doing or how I've been interpreting what you've been saying. 
space, you know, I'm sort of watching my thoughts as they go along, a lot of fantasies type of thing, and then I see that I'm doing that, and I might, you know, kind of give a label, oh, I'm fantasizing about such and such. And then, then there's, you know, the judgment arc, I shouldn't be doing that. So then, you know, I kind of know, okay, I'm, I'm judging myself about that. It just feels like it's kind of an endless... Yes. And then I shouldn't be judging myself about you know, that. Right. 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 And now it's and it's and it's going on even now, uh-huh. right? Again, uh, maybe this image will help. It's sort of frames of a movie. You know, this happens, judging happens. Um, you're right. If you keep, it becomes an. Uh, um, an endless kind of thing. You judge yourself for judging and then judge yourself for judging that you judged. Okay. So, is there any way out of that? And uh, the way out is to simply hear the judging mind as such. In other words, to hear the mind do judging. Now, that's, you're not judging it. You're allow- See, that's what <clears throat> was meant by... Uh, it's like being a host or a hostess at a, at a party and to not lose sight of the fact that, that everyone else, everything is a guest, everything that comes in including judging. What's wrong with judging? You have somebody, you don't want judging to be at this party. But this is a, this is a big party. <laughs> so, judging comes in and it's not less welcome than bliss. Now, I know, of course, we want bliss. Great, you came to this party? Sit down here, have some hors d'oeuvres. <laughs> but not with judging. We don't like judging. And so th- that's a lot of what we're learning, so, and even the resistance to it. That's why it's ruthless. There's no escape. You might then see yourself, well, I don't, it isn't, I don't like judging being here. Fine. So now the next frame of the movie is seeing how judgmental you are about judging. So it's just the awareness is, awareness of judging happening is not the same thing as judging. Is everyone clear on that? It's very important, so if there's any confusion, let's go over it as many times as needed. You're hearing, you're hearing the judging mind at work. The mind is doing judging. You shouldn't be doing that. You shouldn't, that was terrible. Why did you do that? Okay, if you identify with it, you're judging. If you just hear it, you hear it as just, you put, as if you put those things on your ears. What? You know, with a cassette. And, what? Okay, Walkman. This is a, uh, it's a new age Walkman. What you're putting on, you put it on, but what you hear, the cassette is your own mind. And you just hear it that way. You hear the mind, thoughts chasing each other through that space endlessly, agreeing with each other, disagreeing with each other, patting each other on the back. You know, whatever, whatever is going on, it's just coming and going. Okay, and then periodically we get lost in it. We're judging. And then we wake up, maybe five seconds later, or five years later, whatever. And it's that, that process starts to become easier as you learn to do it. And the waking up would be being it, hearing it instead of being... Yeah. <coughs> yeah. Now, and if I don't find myself doing that, then just go back to the breath. That's right. The breath, <clears throat> the breath is recurrent. It's always there. And that's, <clears throat> that's part of the beauty of it. Um, <clears throat> it's one of the reasons we, we talk to each other a lot and we read books about it and we go to retreats is it seems necessary to hear it many, many times. And then the mind learns about that. And then it starts to remember. When, in other words, when it gets lost, it's sort of uh, gradually like a burglar alarm goes off. You know, oh, I'm, I'm caught. As you start to hear this... T- because to tell you the truth, I think I've been saying one thing for two and a half days now, but I've been trying to say it in so many different ways that we don't all get bored to death. You know, just pay attention to what's happening now. Um, and more and more, there's another name for this practice. It's sometimes called the practice of recollection because the instructions are very simple. It's just pay attention and learn from what you're paying attention to, but we keep forgetting to do that. So the practice is remembering to pay attention. Forget, remember, forget, remember, until it starts to become smoother and becomes a way of living more and more and not so tiring and not so frustrating or... It gets frustrating, fine, and you, you see frustrating happening. The, ruth, the ruthless part is that nothing is exempt. There's, there's no vantage point to escape to, and 
judge all these other things going on because then you just look at that, that, that and say, well, why are you exempt? You know, the commentator that often reigns you know, sort of up on a cliff watching everything happening. Mm-hmm. And the difference between that and thinking, uh, mm-hmm. an example. When I was doing the um, walking meditation before, a certain person, I have no idea who it was, did something that you know I just felt really angry towards, and it was something completely insignificant on this person's part, totally my anger. And so I had to stop my walking because it was just this anger just came up. So I watched the anger for a while, and I asked. And I didn't, I kind of asked myself, you know, what the anger, what it felt like, just that that was kind of like a question for me to just help me tune into what it was. And I just kind of watched what it felt like. And then I had some confusion about, um, there was part of me that kind of wanted to know, why did this thing trigger me? Like I, I really, when I heard what did it feel like, I heard a voice that said something that I thought was very significant. And I could have psychoanalyzed it for several hours. And I didn't know if I should ask myself more questions. What I did was, I just, because I was, I felt confusion, I just listened to the voice, I heard what I said, I thought, wow, I can't believe that mm-hmm. I said that. And I went back to the walking. But I don't, you know, I'd be interested in finding out why I had that reaction. And I didn't know really how to pursue it. Mm-hmm. I think what you, it's true, you could spend a lot of time psychoanalyzing, as you put it, or... Uh, let's say, uh, introspection. And I'm not saying that isn't worthwhile to do sometimes. But the, the skills that we're developing here are somewhat different, by and large. Let me... Um, I think we went over it once. I'm not sure whether there's this discussion group or the other one about inquiry. Let's say, the, what part does thought play in inquiry? Or um, use words. Let's say, what is this? Or why am I feeling this? Or whatever. Um, the example was, let's say you lose your wallet with, a, let's say, a fair amount of money. You're at a party and you lose your wallet or your purse. And at first, it's verbal. Where is it? Where's my money? Where's my wallet? And you're poking around, looking under cushions and checking in pockets and asking people. There's a lot of thinking. And, but at a certain point, the words stop and there's just the looking. It's with real interest to find out. There's not necessarily any words at all, but just an intense exploration of the environment to find, to see what's happening. So that sometimes words can be a prelude into it, but I think you'll find more and more you don't need words. Okay, when when should one uh, inquire instead of just this? Now, by inquiry here, it's it's still the looking that we're talking about. It's still investigate in this particular approach to meditation, one quality of a very healthy mind is a mind that's able to investigate. It's not the only quality, and we're developing that. Another quality is the mind is a mind, a healthy mind has um, the ability to, it has energy. It also is calm. In the Buddhist language, it's often referred to as the seven factors of enlightenment. In other words, there are mind qualities that we're developing. We're laying the groundwork for enlightenment to happen. So that a mind, that's what this training is. We're doing this without, even if I don't say it, that's what we're doing. We're developing these qualities by doing this day in and day out. And those qualities are in balance. Equanimity is another one of those qualities. So that uh, having the ability to investigate is very useful because there are times in life where we need to investigate. Mainly when things are problematic. That is, if something is going wrong, uh, and hints in the practice, if something comes up over and over and over again, you watch it, goes, comes back, oh, it's usually uh, it's probably a good chance that some inquiry is needed and could be helpful. And usually, not always, but let's say very often, you'll find as you look, if it's coming up over and over again, there's something in life that we should be doing, but we're not doing. Or there's something that we should stop doing, but we are doing. And it connects the sitting practice with the rest of our life. You know, there may be, because if you don't attend to it, 
of course, you know, you watch it, you see it, it falls away, but you haven't taken care of the root of it, which is uh, whatever it is that's, that's happening, something that needs to be said to someone, a bill that has to be paid, a job that has to be quit, or uh, a job interview that has to, confidence needs to be developed to go for. Do you, do you understand? And if that's not looked at, it's going to keep coming back because we're not dealing with it. We're avoiding it. So it comes back over and over and over. Or unusual things come up in the mind sometimes. You know, you, you look at them a certain way. It's a thin line between just the real attention that we're developing and investigation. And sometimes, uh, I think it's a very useful, um, it's very useful to, when you find yourself suffering, because that's so central in what we're doing, is to pause, and whether with words or not, to begin it, just say, why am I suffering right now? You know, what is this? But it, then it's not uh, chronic introspection. It's not trying to think it through. Because the old mind will give you the answers. It'll come out of memory. You know, solutions that you got from psychology textbooks or whatever. It's more simple listening. In other words, you put it on the agenda. Why am I suffering right now? And then just let the suffering tell you. In other words, really feel it, whatever that is. And when, you, when there's that kind of listening, that's an investigative. What is this? Who am I? But it's not endlessly thinking about it, which may be have some value too, but that's not how I'm using it here. So I think you did fine. You know, that, that you paused, you explored it. And now in terms of finding out the actual reason why all that happened, sometimes that can be uh, really uh, complicate the practice in ways that are troublesome. Because many of the problems here are dissolved, they're not solved. Or you, it's sort of like you see through them and they fall away and they're not, that's the end of it. And if you have a compulsion to endlessly go back and get all the variables and factors, that might be scientifically interesting, but it's really slowing the process down a lot. Okay, the thinking mind may need that kind of nourishment. You may have to give it to it for a while, but the time comes where the clarity and freshness that comes from the letting go is far more appealing than verbal explanations of why what is it is. Intellectual people, particularly, have that real need for explanations. Uh, it's a big difference between the way uh, in the Orient, they don't teach to give you many explanations. And the Western mind gets very frustrated. It won't, won't move until it's being told why we're doing what we're doing. Um, in the Orient, it's the other way around. Just do it, and then you'll find out yourself. So you understand it later on. But many uh, Asian teachers have found that Westerners become like mules. Unless you give them some explanations, they just can't move. And so, yeah, okay, you know, I'll give you a, a, you know, a preview. Like, you know. And you're told so that you'll, it'll motivate you, so you'll do it. But we have a, it's a scientific culture. We have a very strong need for ex- explanations. You can be very clear and very free and not have a lot of information and not be well-educated and not be uh, intellectual and kind of know nothing. There, one teacher who came here, Ajahn Chah, is a, let's, he's a hick. You know, he doesn't know anything, he's only, but he's free. And you can feel it. He just knows a few things and he, and he does it. And he's just having a good time in life. You know? <laughs> Uh, in fact, at one point, the Buddha thought enough of this whole issue to go into it at some depth. He, he took a handful of leaves and he said, um, are there more leaves in my hand or in all the forests of India? Something like this. And I said, oh, of course, there are more leaves in all the forests of India. And he said, well, what I'm teaching you is, is approximately, it's like what I have in my hand. And all that I know that I'm not bothering to teach you is like all the leaves in India. But what's in my hand are the teachings that are practical that lead to freedom. And the rest of it doesn't. So I'm not, there's no point in burdening you with it. And I think a lot of explanations are like that. They're comforting. They're interesting. You know, help you with crossword puzzles eventually. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but I don't know that they're needed nor, or if they lead to freedom. They, you know, they slow the process down quite a bit.
I just want to make sure I understand. You had a difficult time sending love to yourself and a loved person? We're going to issue a campaign ribbon at the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> and third, um, as soon as you said what kind of person you were supposed to be sending this to, I instantly knew who I should do this with. And I just didn't want to. And Fine. But it kept coming back. And I was yeah. like, okay, well, I'll try it. And I tried. And you talked about not fighting the will to resist. So I stopped. But the person just kept coming. And I tried doing it, and I found myself sort of saying it and hearing you say it. But I found that what was really, at one point I thought, oh, I got it. And, you know, and I realized that I really wasn't getting through. And what I kept getting back to was that I was sending this person these things. I don't think underneath, because I really wanted her to be happy. I wanted her to be happy, so she'll stop making me so miserable. <laughs> I understand. Yes. Maybe maybe the whole meta is that. <laughs> maybe that's all of this meta is. <laughs> is that okay if you're happy? In other words, you you invent it you invent it you create this enemy in the mind so you can neutralize it so then you feel okay. But see, you're, you're reconditioning your own mind that way. Or is your mind is now becoming a mind that's a little bit more able to be loving and understanding. See, so, so it has some value. Who knows if, if, you know, sometimes it's said, well, those people are benefit. We're sending love to these people and they need it. I don't know. I haven't the slightest <laughs> idea. But, but one thing is for sure that you're changing your mind. And you're using past experiences, an idea about who you are, someone that you love, someone that you can't stand, and that's giving you an opportunity to practice freeing yourself. You're erecting something that hangs you up. It has in the past. Do you see what I... So that even if my motivation starts from this really self, selfish ego place, I think everyone starts there. I don't know if there, if there are any Mother Teresas in the room. <laughs> I mean, we just have to start there. It's n- Yeah, yeah. Okay, you, that's a hard one. You know, you, you pick something because you don't fully believe what you're saying. In other words, there's part of you perhaps doesn't want this. You know, there's... Oh, I would love this person to find some kind of serenity. <laughs> okay, then it sounds... Then, then it is sincere. See, what will happen if you do this meta-meditation? You'll start to see the difference. There, the degrees of sincerity, of depth, of really meaning it is so dramatic. We start wherever we can. You know, what, what choice do we have? We have to start with just the way we are. Can you pretend to be someone else? Pretend to be Mother Teresa? It would just be an impersonation. You have to get you a new outfit, everything. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we have to start where we are. In fact, probably we all come to this practice as egomaniacs. I mean, we've heard something really good about meditation. We'll get free, enlightened, God. I want that. <laughs> okay, so can we put ourselves in the situation where we're so perfect that we can do the practice correct, correctly? And if that were true, we wouldn't need the practice. We'd already... Do you see what I mean? So we have to start with what we... There's no other choice. Here we are, bent out of shape this way, that way, and the other way. Fine, we just work with that that we have and we learn to forgive ourselves and gently and gradually, uh, perhaps it becomes authentic. No, it's possible. Um, in terms of working with where there's a lot of resistance, 
if you're finding that it's so complicated and, and problematic as perhaps it was for you, then sometimes it's valuable to hold off. See, the metta meditation was giving everyone a taste of it. Ideally, the way to work with it is step number one, you have to develop love for yourself, metta for yourself. And if there's any resistance to that or if that's rather superficial, you don't move to the second stage. You don't start sending love to, your, to someone, you know, your husband or wife, whoever, because you, you haven't, there's a lot of problems with, you, with your own uh, self-love. So then you might work with that, perhaps extensively, perhaps inquiring where the block is, seeing that it's very hard for you to wish yourself well. So I'm just giving you... Now, you can do this on your own when you have the freedom and time. Let's say that starts to become a little bit stronger for you. And then you move on. And then let's finally we get to, let's say, a person that you don't like, or there's some... It's complicated. A lot of the momentum that's been generated by working on ourselves and people that we do like we've been sort of uh, training ourselves in, in a sense in a relatively easier way. And now we get to somebody ideally who's horrible. Let it be someone horrible. And because it's all embracing loving kindness. And the worse the person is, the more valuable they are in this, in this particular meditation practice. As the Dalai Lama said, uh, if it weren't for the Chinese, he wouldn't have learned real patience. In other words, you need your enemy to really learn patience. He's had to negotiate with these people for year after year after year, knowing they've destroyed, killed people, ransacked the libraries, uh, putting monks and nuns under yokes to plow the fields, uh, endless forced marriages with Chinese. Uh, and he's, that's his practice, is to, to try to get his country back, but not in a violent way, uh, to, to be intelligent and skillful, and also to keep his own heart pure, because he could be the loser in it. Bad enough the Chinese destroy your country. But then if you're walking around endlessly bitter, as it, and that's the normal thing. You know, if people, you know, the, things like that happen, it's all too normal to be that way. And so his practice is releasing that, freeing himself from that, and yet being effective. He doesn't put the Chinese down. He talks, you know, found Matsui Tung is a very uh, highly developed in certain ways, interesting human being, and do you see what I'm getting at? So then we get to that. And if you're finding a real problem, instead of trying to overpower it in whatever their subtle ways in which we try to convince ourselves that we're being loving, some of those reflections from last night might be helpful. First of all, seeing how much you suffer by having negativity towards anyone. Or is we're the losers in it. Or is, granted, that person did a horrible thing to you. The Chinese, let's say they really did that. But then if you're stuck in hating them day in and day out, <clears throat> then they really did a job. Not only did they destroy the country, but with your help, they're destroying you. So you reflect on that. You reflect on how unskillful it is to maintain anger, grudges, ill will, all of that. Do you really find that to be true? Again, it's not a should. You have to really see it for yourself. That's, that's again, a kind of inquiry. We, you grasp the fact that you're losing in having uh, vendettas and grudges and, and an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And then you walk outside and, of course, everyone is blind and toothless. And you wonder why. Well, because they're all living the same way. You know, we're all doing it to each other. Well, why is this planet so awful? Well, because we made it so awful. We're making it so awful right now. In small ways, each one of us is doing it. And the other is to uh, start to develop compassion about the other person by reflecting on them. Sometimes you can see that if they are a particularly um, negative person, they're already suffering a lot. It's not that you have to even it out. They're already... Now, in the Buddhist tradition, if you have deep belief and faith and rebirth, when people are living in a very negative way, not only are they destroying the quality of their present life, but they're creating future rebirth that'll be very negative. I don't know if you believe in that or not. I don't think a belief is required. Let's say you don't believe in it. Fine. This life is enough. You can see the effects. And sometimes that softens it a little bit and then you can begin to try to send meta to that person. But it sounds fine. It sounds like what you did was fine and that something came of it. But the motives are imperfect to begin with. What happened to the sound in your ears? Still 
What? Passage to India. (laughs) (laughs) This is about the same thing, and and I hope I don't make it with you. I got to the person I disliked. It was it was a couple, and one of the persons I saw had had a lot of. I could see for the first time, thanks to this thought, was yeah, they were already suffering enough. And the other person of this couple. I looked and they were happy. Before I could do anything about it, this, this monster that is me said, make them unhappy, make them unhappy. And like, I just wanted my hands around his throat because he was so happy. And I just, from there I started to realize, you know, it's just like, you know, what, why do we, you know, so I don't know. I think maybe the thing is going to be, I'm not to leave it alone. See, I, I here, um, I think, you know, in, in the West we have, I think there's some therapies that have been involved here that also have a place. And sometimes it's so strong in a person that you may have to do more cathartic type things. Act out, strangling the person, you know, pounding them with, you know, these therapies. You're, I assume, familiar with some of that. Uh, some of Rajneesh type approaches can be very helpful. And the test would be if, you're, if it's so far away, and it was your ability to genuinely uh, follow the meta instructions is so far away, you may have to use reflections or other forms of therapy that are available. I don't see any reason why not to use them if they help us. And then at a certain point, uh, you'd be more able to genuinely release that person. Now, one thing that might help, when you were in that stra- the strangler mind, the Barry Strangler, when you were the Barry Strangler, yeah. <laughs> uh, how did that feel? It made me just want to stop the whole meditation. It didn't feel so good. Yeah. Okay, exactly. So that you could see that the hater is, you know, it's not such a great place to be as a hater. Again, so then, then the, the movement away from hating is not from a Sunday school kind of thing. Like, that you shouldn't hate. That's very bad, Johnny. I don't know what your name is. You know. uh, and then you try not to hate because you've been given a moral edict. It's not. In other words, the approach here the integrity or the ethical um, reconstruction comes about through understanding. You see that it's stupid to be a hater. It doesn't work. I too had difficulty with the third part of the meta-meditation and then there's something that happened that helped me and might help others as well. Great. I just, I was focusing on two people, not world historical enemies, just my enemies. I couldn't get any place with sending them happiness or peacefulness and so on. And then you went on and said, now we send loving kindness and happiness to all sentient creatures. And I thought that, I thought, I send loving kindness to all sentient creatures except better when it dissolved? Yeah, see there, as we talk, many things will probably come up, common sense type things. If you can, re- when, when there's an aversion, let's say we, uh, some negativity, we tend to see things as being much worse than, than it is. And when there's a, uh, an attraction, we tend to see things as much better than it is, you know, to kind of romanticize it. Both of them are, to some degree, distortions. So this is very negative, but sometimes what you can do is you can remember this is a whole human being. 
And maybe at one point in time they've done something, and cruel, let's say. And then we feature that. We blow it all out of proportion, we, and that person becomes that. That conclusion is them. But sometimes what you can do is reflect on, let's say, well, remember that other time when they were so generous and kind? Or it's make it more complicated when you start to see that it's really a whole person who at one time was cruel to you, but they also perhaps were, at one point were kind to you. Or you saw them be kind to someone, or feed a pigeon, or you know whatever it is. <laughs> so that as they start to become a real person, it becomes harder to have that oversimplified black and white, you know, cowboy morality, you know, good guys and bad guys. You make up your own way, but the main thing is is for the melting to happen, the softening, and uh, to to see how uh, harmful that is in terms of the quality of our own life. Because they may never change. They may continue to be cruel people, etc. But we have the possibility of freeing ourselves from that, that burden. I guess my question runs along those lines. I also had difficulty. Uh, one of the things that began to happen to me during my meditation on the third part was how I was splitting the person I had difficulty with into the images of when I liked them and when I had positive interaction and then imagining them being cool or insensitive or the times that I had trouble and I was trying to bring those images together I got very sad and began to cry and um, felt softened and felt some resolution whereas before I'd had a lot of pain in my body in the meditation I suddenly felt relaxed and mm-hmm. I sort of had washed out of me but at that point I had a lot of difficulty because I have to have interaction with this person and I thought well how do I bring this into Good. life and how do I prevent myself <coughs> from being hurt? How strong can I expect myself to be in terms of where I'm at, you know, my ability to hang on to this kind of awareness uh, and to what extent may, what extent should I avoid this person? Um, what, if I can give an example, what this is coming up around is my wedding and my family, various members of my family, um, I think being, uh, putting a lot of obstacles um, very rejecting messages and so on. And I have to somehow find a way to include them. I, I just don't know how to handle that. Yeah. So can you speak at all to protecting yourself? I'll speak to not protecting yourself. <laughs> yeah. um, the meta work that we did last evening is meant to spill over into life, meta in action verbal metta, uh, and whatever we do, just all the small considerations as we live with each other. Um, St. Teresa of, I'm not sure if it's Liso or Avila, I'll tell you, you can help me. Uh, there was, when she was training, uh, there was one, um, one of the women in training, one of the novices, I guess, uh, was a very hard person to be with. Everyone disliked her. No one wanted to do things with her. And the woman who later became St. Teresa decided that's exactly who she would work with all the time. You know, and so aligned herself with her and, of course, had her buttons pushed all the time. And that's why she picked her. Now, um, for all embracing meta to be a reality, uh, it's going to take some effort. It's not a uh, sentimental fantasy, you know, like we are all one. That won't take us very far. It's just a fantasy. It's a, maybe it's a beginning. Um, we are all one except those people that you don't like <laughs> or who don't believe that we are all one. So you have a concrete situation. Wonderful. Though, is it a bunch of people or one person? Okay, they can teach you much more than you can learn on this retreat. Or to not set it up that way, they can complement what you learn on this retreat. Um, but it, it has to do with how you work with what comes up for you. Or is it guaranteed that they're, it's all just in telling it, it's very emotional for you. So they're going to uh, be challenging you over and over again. And probably the natural reaction is they're putting up obstacles, dislike. You know, it's kind of a circuit. You have a reaction to what they're doing. Now, the way out for us is not to squash that or to hide. 
you know, if you're being overrun, sometimes you may have to pull over to the side of the road and regain your strength and then go back into life again, in a sense. But what you can do if you have the right attitude, that is, is to view it as an opportunity to learn, as a challenge for self-discovery, rather than as an occasion to, for right or wrong, <clears throat> who's going to win out over who. They're going to do what they're going to do, probably. But when you have your reactions, if your awareness can experience it, then this is what is known as relationship as a mirror. Because they're showing you that you don't have all-embracing loving-kindness. Here are three people who are proving it to you. Yeah. I guess I feel that my reaction is uh, hurt before it is, it is anger. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, my sense of, I'm a lot, I feel like I'm responding a lot better than I used to years ago. Mm-hmm. Hurt. Injury. Yes. Uh, and is that really taking good care of me? It doesn't sound like it. So then, and again, this is not mechanical. It might uh, suggest that you should talk things out with them. Maybe you've already done that. Mm-hmm. Have you? It doesn't go anywhere? Well, I could keep talking. I mean, I could make it a life process of talking it out. <laughs> and I think that that, I mean, it's, I'm saying it in a humorous way, but yeah. I think that makes sense to some extent. But what I, um, it's dangerous to me because what happens is it spills over into my relationship and then I'm being destructive, you know. Yes. That, and it's an either or, you know, if I'm patient over here, I tend to, to lose it over there. Okay. Do you love these people? Yes. Okay. You don't want to lose them from your life. No. So there has to be continuity, dialogue, etc. Why are they able to hurt you so much? Yeah. Okay, but even if that were so, um, why are they? Why do they have the capacity to hurt you so much? You're hurting you. They can't hurt you unless you allow this. Do you need their approval? I feel like I need their love. Okay. In this case, they're not fully giving their approval or and or love to you're getting married. And there's a part of you that needs it. Okay, so then the inquiry is pushed back a level. You have to see that. In other words, it's not easy. You're getting into very deep stuff now. And you have to see that perhaps this is still your... I don't see you're not telling me who they are, but is it, is it parents and child, something like that? Yeah. yeah. So then uh, we have to see that I still want a certain kind of love from my mother, from my father, and they seem to not be able to give it to me, or they, whatever it is, I'm not getting what I want. Uh, the challenge would be, can you free yourself of that? Because maybe they will never change. I mean, I hope they do, for your sake and for theirs. But, but we can't control the world. And we have, a, we have somewhat of a chance if we work on ourselves. So you have to see that you're, you need their approval, the way a child needs the approval of a parent. Whereas you want to do those things which get approval from them. But... There are a lot of things you want to do that don't get approval. Do you want to stop doing those things? Probably not. Do you want to not marry this person? Or, you know, whatever the issues are. So if you've decided that this is your course of action and they are who they are, what choices do you have? You can either avoid them, which you don't want to do. You can uh, talk things out, which you've done. And I would suggest you continue that. Just in my own uh, case with my own father, uh, years and years and years, finally we broke through. And it's really, it's worth it. You know, just over and over and over. But the other is to, to release yourself from a, a childish need. And I, I'm not saying this in a derogatory sense. We're all that way. It's, we're all trying to grow up. Isn't that what a retreat is? We're all a bunch of children. We're trying to, you want to call it spiritual maturity, whatever label you put on it. We're all attempting to walk on our own two feet. Uh, so you see, this is an area that you're unable to do it. That is, you want to do something, your parents don't like it, and you feel very hurt. So you could rearrange reality, but also I think what's very important is to start to see what it takes to, for you to get hurt, that need, that dependence on them. And perhaps that can be loosened a little bit and even let go of. And it doesn't mean that you won't love them. You might even love them more for just who they are. They're incapable of being such and such. 
my father's still not crazy about what I do. <laughs> you know, but it doesn't matter anymore. In other words, I, I respect his right to not understand what I'm doing. I, yeah. I, I feel like I'm taking a lot of... No, no, you do it. It's, all of, it's the same story for all of us. Mm-hmm. I, my thought is if there's only a way to get married that allows everyone to feel respected um, that isn't a violation of myself also so it feels like I guess what I'm saying and maybe this is what maybe everyone could relate to is sometimes you do things and people have a crazy reaction to it um, mm-hmm. and I don't know I, I <laughs> it's, it just gets very complicated yeah, no, I, you, I, I understand it a lot better now. I mean, you know, that's, uh, I think you're doing what you can do. You're, I think you're being extremely generous and reasonable. And if you can at all arrange it so that everyone feels respected, wonderful, but supposing you can't. That's, that's where I'm at. Right, and your marriage is going to happen at a finite time. This is a real thing that's about to happen. And it's bothering you. So this, I would work there. It seems I would... It's not to discontinue the outer rearrangements and dialogues and all re-education, whatever can be done. But in the meantime, you're suffering. And they may not change. They may go to the wedding with a certain look on their face. Okay, be careful there. That is, that's what meta is designed for, and that's a wonderful suggestion. But if the meta is used at the expense of understanding, then I wouldn't trust it so much. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Or is if you're just smoothing, there's something that needs working over in your relationship, and if you just every time the problem goes up, whoops, meta. May they be happy. May they be peaceful. May they, be, you know. Uh, now some of the meta may lay the groundwork for you being able to actually learn too, but I don't, it, it won't have a real solid basis if you're, there's any resistance to, to looking at what the trouble is. It's not, I don't think it's a, it's a replacement for understanding. It kind of works along with it. Maybe we should uh, end on that note. Let's see, uh, the schedule is getting complicated here. Sitting time. <laughs> uh, we've all been sitting. Why don't we take a five-minute break and... This, Please try and make it... Oh, yeah, thank you. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.